Welcome to Pridescape, the official podcast of Pride Northwest, home of the annual Portland Pride Waterfront Festival and Parade, and much more. Each month, we will be bringing you the latest Pride Northwest updates and important news and information affecting Oregon and Southwest Washington's LGBTQ community. To learn more about Pride Northwest, visit our website at pridenw.org. And now your host and executive director of Pride Northwest, Deborah Porta. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Pridescape, official podcast of Pride Northwest. I'm your host, Deborah Porta. As folks may remember from our last broadcast, Pride Northwest is actively, actively engaged in supporting our food and housing insecure community members. As part of that work, we recently launched our third annual fall and winter community impact drive. Each year, in addition to Pride Northwest's direct support, we had also identify a small number of recipient organizations doing the work to help our people, doing the work on the ground. This year, one of those organizations is the Portland Backpack Project. And I'm super excited to welcome their executive director, Shawnee Harris Bagwell, to talk about the Backpack Project. Welcome, Shawnee. Hello, thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. I'm so, I'm very excited about this conversation, especially after our uh, uh, last week. I, what was that, hour and a half? Somewhere in there? <laughs> uh, well, let's start at the beginning. Let's talk, tell us a little bit about uh, Portland Backpack, you know, history, what you do, big picture, you know, what's the org? So I could talk about this forever. I will try to keep mm-hmm. it brief. Portland Backpack started as a volunteer program in the basement of Fremont United Methodist Church in 2008, founded by Marilyn Ma, who um, grew up actually in Berkeley, California, Mm -hmm. and um, was wishing that she had had a program like this. So Mm -hmm. she literally became the change that she wanted to see in the world and started this Portland Backpack uh, Project, you know, and at the time they were serving one school with about 10 students. And that has grown into the Portland Backpack we have now, which became an official C3 organization in 2017 and now serves 15 schools across the Portland area and 1,200 students a week. Wow. Yeah, and um, they're food sacks, right? We often forget that kids need to eat over the weekends and that when school lets out on Friday, those same kids who are dependent on those breakfasts and lunches that the school provides have nothing over the weekends. And so Portland aims to fill that gap a little bit So each sack that we have contains two breakfast items, two snacks, two fruit items, and two main dish items, and they're all shelf stable. Definitely. Um, That's that's a lot. It's 1,200 people every single week, 1,200 kids every single week. I'd like to expand a little bit more on maybe kind of what we talked about last week in terms of how the project works, you know, where, how, how do, how do the kids connect to it? Who are you working with? This kind of stuff. So we are only in title one schools. Mm -hmm. 
and we try to keep the barrier for entry really low because we know the constant trauma that families feel having to divulge all of their personal information to meet requirements for programs. And we think that's kind of icky. Um, And so we only give the schools a sign-up sheet and they don't show us the names. We don't actually see those sign-up sheets after we send them out. And the schools give us a number and that's the amount of sacks that we bring. Gotcha. Okay. And, and go ahead. I'm, sorry. Well, we're currently only in pre-K through fifth grade schools. That's right. But you're, um, I remember when we spoke before, you were looking at expanding to, to other grades. Is that, because it's already um, a lot of work. <laughs> we have a wait list mm-hmm. right now um, about about 11 or 12 schools and we are not thinking about expanding into anything until we can expand into a new space gotcha Um, we are packed to the gills um with food sacks and with food yeah that makes sense um and you you have um this is a volunteer organization uh we are volunteer driven for sure because we only have two full-time staff members and two part-time staff members we really rely on community groups to come and help us with packings with shoppings with financial donations with our care cards which go into every single sack we always 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 need care cards what's a care Um, card Care card is a note that's hand-drawn, handwritten by community members to let the kids know that we care. Mm-hmm. And um, it's such an important piece because it is what lets these kids know that they're not just another program. Right, right. There are people actually spending time thinking about them, spending time, you know, doing these things for them and that we love them. Yeah, that's, that's what stands out to me in the care card. Uh, I wanted just to kind of to explain it a little bit more because it's, it's the thing to me that differentiates. This isn't just, I say just, but this isn't a, just a transaction of like, here's a thing, you know, there's an actual connection happening to thought put into these, this is community sharing with community. And I, I think that care card really, especially for our kids, you know, just um, to, to, even yeah. if it's just to know that there, that somebody has noticed that, Hey, I, I'm, yeah, I'm paying attention to you right now. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I think that's, that's the, that part is fantastic. The whole thing is fantastic, but that part is the fantastic that stands out to me. To our community, um, one thing that I do love because of just who's coming in to our doors is we find a lot of queer cards going out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A lot of rainbows, a lot of different shapes and people, um, a lot of you belongs, a lot of really 
if not queer coded, openly queer um, encouraging letters and things. And I think that those are important because they go out randomly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. Okay. Yeah. They go out absolutely randomly. And so straight kids are going to be seeing them just as much, mm-hmm. probably more so. I like they that. Quit- that's you kind of that kind of leads into the my next uh sort of direction of you know Portland Backpack itself isn't a, a queer specific organization, but it was super clear in our conversation last week that that there's an LGBTQIA2S plus community presence both in the organization and in the kids that you're serving. Um how do you think that impacts your approach? So 50% of us identify mm-hmm. as um, or trans and um, that's, you know, with such a small staff, that's obviously going to impact the work. And um, with your executive director being queer, that's definitely going to impact the work and focus and how we drive things. Absolutely. So so it's not news that housing and food insecurity are significant issues in Portland. Or they're significant everywhere. And I think sometimes Portlanders kind of forget that as if what we're experiencing is special in some way. But um, although it's a little intense, what if folks really need to, what do you think folks need to understand about about where we're at now and the needs and the need that you're seeing. I know that when we stopped, talked before, we also talked about like, you've got a wait list happening. We have uh, new kids moving to town, you know, the, all of these moving parts. Um, what's, what's your big picture? Basically. My big picture of like the entire house list problem. Well, just, <laughs> you're 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 part of it that rabbit hole that's a whole different hat for shawnee um (laughs) i mean it all it all bleeds together you know i i think we i think we struggle with that as well that that there are all of these interconnected interrelated things in this particular (laughs) case from 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 your perspective with backpack you know, really, yeah. Just what do you, what do you, what are you seeing in terms of? Uh, it could be a trend. You just in general, what we're seeing as an organization is that as more people know about us, mm-hmm. more people need us, and as someone who comes from a policy background, it saddens me how often we forget children Mm -hmm. and how in forgetting children, we forget adults. The biggest indicator of whether or not someone will be houseless as an adult is whether or not they were houseless as a child. Houselessness doesn't just start in adulthood. Sure. Oh, yeah. And once you become houseless, especially as a child, it becomes 
almost impossible to escape that kind of cycle of extreme poverty. And in queer communities, especially in Oregon, where young kids get kicked out of their homes and yet are still bound by law to be in schools, to participate in these systems, are receiving little to no support to do so. Yeah, yeah. Until we as a society, you know, there are there are so many cultures that do this, but there are cultures that will not say like, hey, how are you doing? They will ask, how are your children? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that is the biggest indicator to how your society is doing. Portland Backpack exists, lets us know the kids are not okay. Mm -hmm. That our program has a wait list, lets us know our kids are not okay. And if our kids are not okay, that means our society is not okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that's powerful. And that's a, this is why I wanted to, because we know we're not okay. And, you know, we, we, as a, as a people in this country, especially are really, really good at ignoring what's around us. Right. And we're all okay. When we know we're not, we're just not, this has become such a central part of, of what Pride Northwest is focusing on now, especially you know, to your point, especially here in Oregon and here in the Portland Metro where this, you know, we have this bubble of supposed queer greatness, right? Uh, in terms of, of acceptance, access, all of these things, but how easily it turns. A lot of what we're working on is getting our own community to recognize how precarious we are and how deep a lot of this runs in terms of, no, our kids are not okay, which means our way. adults are not going to be okay. The, fa the fastest way to look is just look at the kids. Mm -hmm. Kids. If it's queer kids that are filling up shelters, guess who's not going to be okay? Queer adults. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, um, and even, you know, you start, you start talking about statistics and all that. There are even more queer people who become unhoused or experience houselessness as an adult than there are young people, kids mm -hmm. experience. So it just multiplies and just goes. Um, when we add racial demographics to that, mm -hmm. it becomes exponential. Yeah. I mean, just step one, are the kids Okay. If they're not, what do we need to do to make sure the kids are okay? Right. What services are we providing? Why aren't the kids okay? You know, Portland Backpack says, oh, they need to eat every day? Yikes. Okay. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wait, more than once a day? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> right. And we try to fill the gaps you know that is so simple of a concept yes and I can I even look at you know the experience that we've had over the last several years interacting with um you know the the 
the unhoused villages, the expansion of the shelter system through the pandemic and all that. And one of the standouts that it just strikes me, and it's very, it's connected, is how difficult it was and still is for folks living in our shelter world. And, and obviously, specifically right now, I'm talking about queer folks, but all of our unsheltered folks in the system, how difficult it is for them just to simply anticipate when the next time is they're going to be able to eat. And they're not living outside. They're in the system itself, but literally food not showing up that is anticipated. Um, being told that they can no longer afford to provide. I mean, it's just go on and on, just this simple. Chairs going on strike and then yeah. a notice going, food will be provided Tuesday through Thursday. Exactly. What does that mean? What does that, to... what does that mean? Still... What does that mean? Right. Yeah. And then when you couple that level of insecurity, not knowing where your next mm -hmm. meal is going to knowing when you're going to eat. How do you, as a five-year-old, learn to read? How do you focus in a classroom when you're hungry? As an adult, I cannot focus. I am very dysfunctional when I don't eat. Mm-hmm. And this is after 40 years of learning how to manage my emotions when I'm hungry. I'm bad at it. Right. Still very bad at it. Five-year-olds can't do it. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they're labeled with behavioral issues. Mm -hmm. Or they're labeled as problematic or as difficult. They're not difficult. They're hungry. Yep. How are the kids? <laughs> right. Well, there it is. You know, how can listeners find out more about Backpack? And you mentioned some things early on, but like, let's let's get people plugged in. You know, how do they how do they find out more? How do they support all that? Um, definitely come to our webpage, www.portlandbackpack.com. Um, and you can learn more about us, about our program, um, and about our volunteer opportunities. Mm -hmm. We have different ways. Um, if you are a organization or a company and you would love to support us by buying some food and packing some sacks, um, we love that. We have, um, those opportunities available to schedule. We also have care card parties, mm. which twice a month. We have one in the evenings and one um, and on a Saturday morning. And those are parties where we just have some food and we come and we make the care cards. The packing of the food goes quickly. Yeah. So if you're thinking, you know, I have a group and I'd love to do this with like, you know, 20, 30 people, I would say if you want to be here for about an hour to two hours, that'll be maybe 500 sacks. Mm -hmm. That'll be split with some people making care cards while you're doing that, some people making sacks. But 
the making of the care cards takes time mm -hmm. and it takes much longer to make a care card than it does to pack a sack. And so we like to hold space for that and make sure that we have enough because we go through 1200 a week. Yeah. 1200 a week. That's 1200 cards and every single sack gets a card. Every single one. Right. Right. I can't stress enough. We need, need, need folks to come help us make these cards. You can also make them at home or at school mm -hmm. or in offices and send them to us. You can mail them to us. You can drop them off at our office um, and, you know, arrange, you know, a drop off because we alternate between remote and in office work. But um, there are always ways to get in touch with us, but I would definitely start on our website, on our volunteer page. And you can also look us up on Field Day, um, which is a great way to just sign up directly for some of our events. Nice. Right on. Anything else you want to, uh, to make sure to share or... So people can come and join us for our monthly care card parties on the first Tuesday evenings and on the third Saturdays in the mornings. Nice. And this is all on the website, right? Yes. Perfect. All right, Shawnee, really appreciate you coming. And, you know, like this is, this is one of the things that we hope to be able to do with our platform is, you know, there's got to be some truth telling and some, some community activating. And that's, that's really what we're hoping to do. So we are on give guide and um, we're mostly pushing the big give days, which every Wednesday, if you donate on GiveGuide, um, they have a lot of opportunities um, to win prizes, even some for donors under 35. Mm -hmm. But our one big giveaway in December is that we have an autographed Blazers ball signed by all of the team, and it includes Damian Lillard's signature. Nice. Cooper gives the most to us throughout the entire month of December. We'll get that ball. Wow. Very cool. Right on. All right. Donate early and often. There you go. Y'all get on it. Shawnee, thanks for joining us. Super excited to, to continue whatever it is that we do. I know I'm pretty sure that we're lining up a pride day of service and some other things. And then, you know, through, through the drive, we'll be lifting up the work and hopefully between us all having a pretty significant impact. But I really appreciate you spending time with me today. That will be amazing because um, it takes a lot of money to feed a lot of kids and it takes a lot of people power to feed a lot of kids. And yeah. so as much as we can get, and if anyone, you know, really wants that breakdown, it costs us about 15,000 to 20,000 a month um, to feed all of the kids that we feed. Wow. See, yeah. It, people think that it's, well, it's a dollar fifty in a kitchen and that's not how it works, y'all. Not how it works. <laughs> and that's keeping the costs very, very low, you know, mm -hmm. at about mm -hmm. 150 per student per year. Um, wow. Wow. Okay. Is very low. Even still, that comes out to about $15,000 a month. Right. Um, significant. And that's, you know, before we even have people to do the work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's a lot. We know it's a lot. I think if it wasn't a lot, it, it'd be easier to get to get things taken care of. But it's a lot. Yes. And and you're right. It's going to it takes takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of engagement. 
it takes people getting involved, understanding what's happening, the scope, the whole bit. So hopefully, hopefully that's we're just a little bit of a nudge of let's let's get there, people. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Pridescape, the official podcast of Pride Northwest with executive director, podcast producer, and host, Deborah Porta. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on what you heard here today and to support the work of Pride Northwest, go to pridenw.org.